It's a series we've been talking about, but we're not extraordinary without him. And that's what we're going to look at today. Today, you actually will get to go home, uh, you and your kids as well, since they're learning right along with you. Um, you know, we always joke around, what'd you learn about in church today? Jesus. <laughs> well, today you'll actually get to say that. You'll actually get to say Jesus, because we're going to talk about Jesus today. We're talking about extraordinary, and we've gone through a whole lineup. We've talked about Abraham and Moses and Joseph and David. We could have talked about Elisha. We could have talked about Joshua. We could have talked about Gideon and Samson. We could have talked about so many men. We could have talked about Paul. We could have broke down the 12 disciples, but uh, you know, we gave you just a picture of how God loves to use ordinary people to do extraordinary things. And, you know, someone isn't called extraordinary until they've done something extraordinary. It's what they do, not just who they are. And so that's where we get hung up because uh, sometimes even if we have the reality of who we are on the inside and what Jesus has given us, who God has made us, we're a new creation, new creation in Christ Jesus, we identify those things, but now the question is how do we do those things? Okay, I have the greater one living inside of me. Thank you, 1 John 4, 4. I see that. Now, how do I do great, greater things? How do I do greater things? And how do I change the ordinary life that I'm living? And so I hope you've begun to see that it's not about changing anything around you. It's just becoming identified by what's in you. The greater one is in you. So now what I'm doing can become greater when I take, that, take on that kind of perspective. I'm not just, you know, at home with my kids at night. Now I'm finding a way to be an extraordinary mom or an extraordinary dad or an extraordinary coworker, an extraordinary grocery shopper, an extraordinary uh, parent on the sideline while I'm watching my kids, uh, you know, play a baseball game or a soccer game. I'm, you're, you're finding ways to, to become extraordinary at doing ordinary things because extraordinary always begins with ordinary. We've identified that. God always starts with your ordinary and makes it extraordinary. He's trying to add the extra to your ordinary. Amen? And so now we're going to talk about Jesus. And I know everyone's thinking, now how are you going to break him down to become an ordinary person? But what you have to understand about the extraordinary life is that you live extraordinary from the inside out. You live extraordinary from the inside out. It's not from the outside in. And we've identified this. Abraham was extraordinary from the inside out. He was ordinary on the outside, but God gave him an extraordinary word on the inside. So he had to live that from the inside out. God didn't change his circumstance. God didn't get him, you know, a, a hot 25-year-old young chick to say, hey, I'll make a baby for you. Okay, that's what Abraham tried to do. But, Abraham, but God said, I'm going to take your ordinary situation and I'm going to make it extraordinary. And by the way, as we were talking about in our staff meeting last night, Sarah was pretty good looking at 90 years old because she had two kings trying to keep, them to, trying to keep her to themselves. If you read about her. So he didn't need anything else. But sometimes we try to get in and think, okay, well, I, I got to get a different job. I've got to get more money. I've got to drive a nicer car. I've got to get better friends. I've got to marry a different person. I've got to 
trade these kids in for kids that will actually obey me and listen to me. And, <laughs> and before you know it, we're picking apart our entire life when God's saying, I'm all right with your ordinary. I'm going to make it extraordinary. Amen. So it's from the inside out. Quit trying to change all the ordinary stuff around you and just do it with an extraordinary mindset. So it's from the inside out. And so Jesus, as we see here in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. I just realized I didn't give you the passage yet. But we're going to identify that Jesus, we know he's the son of God. We know that he was greater. He was greatness. Everything that exuded out of Jesus' life, I mean, if we're going to pick an extraordinary person, we're going with Jesus. We've already identified this. He has done extraordinary things. He's an extraordinary person. But here's the thing, and when I say this statement, I'm not trying to get you to wrap your mind around it. So don't sit there for the rest of service and let your eyes roll back in your head and think, oh, there's, that doesn't even make any sense, Pastor Mario. What, what are you talking about? Don't try to figure it out. But it's a true statement nonetheless. Jesus was 100% God. But Jesus was 100% man. Not 50-50. Not 50% man and 50% God. He was God in flesh. He's the son of God. Yes, he's deity. He reigns. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He came here as that. But there's enough in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and even books beyond that, that identify to us that Jesus was ordinary. Because you don't kill a king. You don't put a Messiah on the cross. You don't kill the one that you've been spending your entire life and generations have been spending their entire lives looking for. You don't put that man on a cross. But something about this man was ordinary. Yet he did extraordinary things. And Jesus came to be our representation. Jesus came to be our example. So let me tell you this. Because you have, may have looked at the other four men that we've already identified through this series, and you may have already begun to relate. You may have related to, to Joseph. I keep taking steps forward, but it seems like I'm taking steps backward. You may relate to Abraham. I'm just, I've got all these limitations. Everything's trying to keep me from doing what I know God's calling me to do. You may relate with Moses. You've got a past. You're insecure. You don't know who you are. You don't know who you've been. And why is God trying to pick me to do this thing? You may be David, and nobody else, everybody else has counted you out. Everybody's already said this person's never going to make it, never going to do it, doesn't have the qualifications, the abilities, the talents, the gifts. They're not going to be able to do. But I want to tell you today that Jesus is the one out of all the men we pick that you should relate to the most. Because Jesus had something that all the rest of them didn't have. And then Jesus came to give us that very thing. Jesus did not do one miracle, did not do one demonstration, did not heal one sick person, did not raise one dead person, did not calm any storms, walk on water, do anything until he received the Holy Spirit. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Jesus, that, that verse is not talking about Jesus. 
Well, I thought Jesus lived in my heart. Yes, but Jesus lives in your heart through his spirit, the Holy Spirit. Greater is he that is in you. Who's in you? The Holy Spirit that comes and infills you when you make Jesus the Lord of your life. And so what I want to point to today with the life of Jesus, I'm not going to go, you know, verse by verse and show you his ordinary side and all the extraordinary things he did. I want to show you what Jesus did for you and I. Because we know about Jesus. In fact, next week I'm starting a little small series that's called, I know you are, but what am I? Because here's the problem. Us church folk, we know about Jesus. We know who Jesus is. But we have no clue who we are. <laughs> we know all about Jesus. We can name off all the miracles he did, all the signs and wonders. Oh, yeah, he went to the cross. But we have no idea who we are. And we're going to talk about our identification. And it's going to piggyback off of this service today. See, I got you locked in. You can't just be like, oh, extraordinary is over. I'm gone. You're in now. Because what I'm saying today, it's the end of one series, but it's the beginning of another. Because what Jesus came to do was give you the very thing that caused him to do the extraordinary things he did. See, Abraham didn't do that. David didn't do that. Joseph didn't. They didn't come to give you what they had. But Jesus came to transfer to us the very thing that made him the person that he is. Look at 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. We know that Jesus came as the spotless lamb, the perfect one, the son of God. He was not born of man like you and I. We know that he was, uh, Mary was impregnated by the Holy Spirit himself. Not Joseph, not by blood. He was born into the royal lineage, the royal line of David, naturally, but spiritually his father is God himself. And so God made him who knew no sin to become sin for us. See, that's awesome. Not to show us something, but for us. That means some, there should be a result showing in our lives based upon Jesus becoming sin. That we might become the righteousness of God in him. Look at this in the Amplified Version. Kind of breaks it down. For our sake, for our sake. He made Christ virtually to be sin who knew no sin so that in and through him we might become endued with, viewed as being in, and examples of. Did you know you're to be an example of righteousness? <laughs> endued with, viewed as being in, and examples of the righteousness of God, what we ought to be approved and acceptable and in right relationship with him. By his goodness. What does this tell us? That God took something extraordinary, made it ordinary, so that he could take something ordinary and make it extraordinary. Jesus became ordinary 
so that we could become extraordinary. He took, he took the perfect son of God and wrapped it in ordinary. He wrapped it to look like you and I. Look at Philippians chapter 2, verse 8. Philippians 2, verse 8. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Jesus humbled himself, one that was exalted, one that was above all else, one that was above anything else, and he wrapped himself in humility and became obedient to his father. Why? Because when you are obedient to God, anything you do becomes extraordinary. We've seen this. So Jesus had to do extraordinary things the same way you and I have to do extraordinary things. Obey. Now, the obedience factor is the one thing that keeps us from doing extraordinary things. You know, we've alluded to superheroes and comic characters, and, you know, we, we brought that side out because, you know, sometimes when we read the Bible and we read about these men and women, we look at them like we view Superman or Batman or something. It's just a cool story, but that's not actually possible. But what we have to realize is that there's always a weakness. You know, all these superheroes and comic characters, they've all got a weakness, or they've all got something that keeps them from doing great things. It doesn't necessarily keep them from being great, because you're still great. But I'm not talking to people today that just want to be great. I'm talking to people that want to do great. I mean, we just read in 2 Corinthians 5.21 that you are now the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. But now the question is, is how does that show out in my life? What is the result of being the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus? Shouldn't I be living a greater life? Shouldn't I be doing something more than just the ordinary? Shouldn't there be something added? Shouldn't there be something different about my life now that I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus? Shouldn't that change my behavior? Shouldn't that change my decisions? Shouldn't that change where I go, what I do, what I say, who I'm around? Shouldn't this have a result that is evident in my life that I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus? And the one thing that keeps all of us from doing anything extraordinary is a tiny three-letter word called sin. That's the one thing that keeps all of us from doing anything extraordinary. Your life, if it, it, your extraordinary is determined by can you obey your king? And I've got news for you today because we're not going to talk about sin. Because I'm going to tell you today, you don't have a sin problem. You don't have a sin problem. Because the man we're going to talk about today took care of it once and for all. 
I mean, doesn't Superman wish that someone came and took care of kryptonite once and for all? That's my one weakness, man. Could somebody come and die on a cross and take care of kryptonite so I won't ever have that weakness? Wit has been taken care of for you and I. And what we have to identify with Jesus is that he became ordinary so that he could deal with the one thing that kept us from being extraordinary. And by dealing with that issue, dealing with sin, we now have the opportunity, the ability to become extraordinary once again in every decision we make. That sin should never hold us back. Sin should never dominate us. Sin should never keep us just stuck in ordinary. We can now be extraordinary because sin has been dealt with. He became sin. Then he triumphed over it so that you and I would never have to struggle with it. He defeated sin so you and I would never have to fight it ever again. This is what Jesus did. Amen? So he humbled himself. He had to exercise obedience in faith to his God, just like you and I have to exercise obedience in faith to our God, just like Abraham had to do it, just like Joshua, just like Joseph, just like Moses, just like David, any of these men that we look at, they all had to do one thing. They all had one thing in common. Obey the word. I'm calling you, but the calling doesn't set you apart. It's what you do with the calling that sets you apart. And Jesus had to do the same thing. He humbled himself even to the point of death on the cross. So look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. We're going to go back just a few verses before we just read that now we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus because of what Jesus did taking on sin, defeating it once and for all. But look at 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. What's this verse telling us? What is this verse telling us? This tells me that I should no longer be identified with ordinary. I am now to be identified with the extraordinary. I'm a new creation. That ordinary life and the ordinary failures and the ordinary habits, they've been done away with. And now, no longer am I identified with the ordinary I'm identified with the extraordinary but that means that somehow I've got to get what happened on the inside to show up on the outside why because the extraordinary life is lived from the inside out so Jesus made us a new creation not on the outside when you came down front and you said that prayer and then you went back to your seat you didn't look different You maybe didn't even think different. Right away, you may not have even talked different. But over time, as you grew in it and you developed in it, you were, what were you doing? Allowing what's on the inside to show up on the outside. It's like every seed. 
You water it. You cultivate it. You nurture it. You get it all the things that it needs. And guess what? One day what's on the inside is going to show up on the outside. Because that seed always has a tree inside of it. With more fruit and with more seeds. I mean, inside of one seed is a forest. And inside of you is a forest. Inside of you is greatness. Inside of you is something extraordinary. But we've got to get the extraordinary past this sinful, fleshly shell that doesn't look good. You know the apple looks better than the apple seed. You know it does. That's what I want to get to. But to get to that means I've got to push past all the junk on the outside. And that's what... That's what shackles up. That's what locks up extraordinary inside of us is we never make it past the shell. But Jesus has come to help us get past the shell. He has come to help us get past that sinful, fleshly exterior. Not trying to change the fleshly exterior. I'm just trying to get rid of it. I'm trying to shut it down. Paul said, I crucify my flesh. He said this. He said, I die daily. What's that mean? Uh, Today, I'm pushing a little more of that shell off me. A little more of greatness is coming out. A little more of extraordinary is being revealed in my life because I'm getting past the ordinary. It started with ordinary, but now I am changing that. I'm allowing the extraordinary life on the inside that Jesus has come to give me to show up on the outside. Amen? Look at John chapter 14, verse 12. See, Jesus came to give us a new life that is extraordinary, not ordinary. Now again, when I say a new life, that means you have the chance to change your ordinary into extraordinary. But you don't change it by changing everything else around you. You change it by changing what's in you. And in John chapter 14, verse 12, this is kind of where we started. We've kind of come full circle. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. Jesus was here as an example for us for three and a half years. But Jesus did not just come to show you extraordinary. He came to make you extraordinary. He didn't just come to spend three and a half years doing all these crazy miracles and signs and wonders and casting out uh, demons and showing dominion and authority back on the earth just to leave and say, all right, now one day you get to come to heaven and be with me and get to spend time around my awesomeness. No, he took his awesomeness and he put it inside of you and said, now you get to do everything that I've been doing. Of all the men in the Bible that we should be looking at, this is the man we ought to relate to because now he's saying, what you've been reading in my word, what I've been showing you, the signs that you have seen, now you go and do them. He didn't just come to show us what extraordinary looks like. He came to make us what he is. You are Jesus in the earth. You are Jesus in the earth. The body of Christ, the church, is Jesus in the earth. The church needs to be extraordinary. 
I'm not here to try to copy what somebody else is doing. I'm not here to try to copy what the world is doing. I said something the other day. Uh, I said to challenge pastors in our churches, are we working harder at adapting to the culture around us or are we working harder at changing the culture in us? I'm not here to look like them, be like them, sound like them, act like them. I'm here to change all that from the kingdom of heaven. I already have my culture. It's already in me. I need to get the culture in me on the outside so they can see what church really looks like, so they can see what power really looks like. Power isn't awesome songs and lights and all kinds of productions. Power is signs and wonders and miracles, people being set free. That's what the church is here to do. That's extraordinary. No matter how extraordinary they look, it's still ordinary compared to the extraordinary power that's in me. That's what the church is to be doing. And that's why we have to identify with this. That's why we have to understand what extraordinary looks like and how do we get extraordinary out of us. He didn't come to show us extraordinary. We don't have a sin problem. We have an identity problem. You don't have a sin problem. You're not battling alcohol. You're battling the identity within you that's always wanting to go to that. Because you haven't realized that the greater one is inside of you. And you don't have to be dominated by that anymore. You can be in control. You can be in charge. You can say no. You can allow extraordinary to come out of you. You don't have a money problem. You have an identity problem. Money is a God. And it's talking to you. And it gets you out of bed in the morning. And it causes you to work overtime. And it keeps you from coming to church. Because it's a God and it's saying, you got to do this and I'll give you this. But we have another God that says, if you do this, I'll give you this. And what he can give me is way more than what the dollar can give me. So which God are you going to serve? We don't have a sin problem. We have an identity problem. Look at Romans chapter 5 verse 17. Romans chapter 5 verse 17. For if by the one man's offense death Reigned. Who's that one man? Adam. Adam brought death and allowed it to reign in this life. If by one man's offense, much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will what? Reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. See, I don't reign because I put myself in control and put myself in charge. I reign because Jesus put me in charge. I reign through the one Jesus Christ. Because Jesus came to give me the ability to dominate and rule and control once again. And that is how extraordinary is revealed. That is how extraordinary comes out. Because of what Jesus did. What did Jesus do? Why did he come? Jesus did not come to die on a cross. 
Jesus came to restore to you extraordinary. Jesus came to show you what it looks like and to give you the ability to be that. And it required him to humble himself, even to the point of death on the cross. Even to the point of death on the cross. Amen. He humbled himself. He became like you and I. And he overcame sin every single time. The Bible says that he, they're getting it. (laughs) The Bible says that he was tempted on all accounts, just like you and I. But what did he do? Put it down every time. He showed us what dominion and authority and control and governing looks like so that you and I could be that. And he went to the cross, took all of the world's sin, put it upon himself, became sin for us so that he could defeat it, put it in the grave, defeated death, hell, and the grave. You don't have a problem with Satan. You have a problem with your outer shell. You don't have a problem with the devil. You have a problem with your past identity. You don't have a problem with principalities and powers and darkness. You have a problem with not relating to the light and the greatness that's inside of you. He's taking care of it. God has taken care of sin. God doesn't have a sin problem and neither do you. God doesn't have, you know, you know, sometimes we say, you know, the devil is God's enemy. God doesn't have an enemy. He's already defeated him. He's done. It's over. Jesus said, it is finished. He didn't say it is beginning. He didn't get on the cross and say, now we're just getting started. He said, it's over. Devil, Satan, It's over, done, the end of the book is written, the end, close the book, put it on the shelf and let somebody read it and find out who they are and what they have and what they've been created to do and show up and do that in the earth today. That's what my God has done. That's what Jesus came to do. He came and became ordinary like you and I. So we can't say, oh, well, he was God. He, he was God. He was the son of God. I mean, of course he could overcome that. No, he was tempted on all accounts like you and I. Had the same opportunities like you and I. But what did he do? Spend time with his father. Find out his assignment for the day. And go and obey. He obeyed when he was tired. He was obeyed when he didn't want to in the garden. God, if there's any other way, let this cup pass. Oh, Jesus wanted to go to the cross. Sure, of course he did. But his flesh didn't. His flesh didn't. His flesh was... Let it pass. Let it go. But he put it all down so you and I could have an extraordinary life. So we wouldn't have to be stuck in ordinary. Jesus, yeah, he was ordinary. He would open his mouth and people would say, wow, he speaks with authority. But he wasn't reading something different. He was reading it differently. They said, you don't 
preach this and talk about this like all the other scribes and teachers of the law. There's something different about you. Could there be something different about the way you take your kids to school? Could there be something different about the way you handle your finances? Could there be something different about the way you operate in your job? And everyone else is scheming and trying to figure out how to climb to the top and go around and make more money and walk over other people. But you're doing it with an extraordinary mindset. Doing the ordinary things in life. Could you grocery shop different? Could you actually allow the Holy Spirit to move you and guide you and lead you in the middle of the cereal aisle? That's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about you're going to become president of the United States. I'm not saying you're going to become the CEO of, your, of the business you're working for. I'm saying you're going to take your ordinary life. You're going to make it extraordinary. Jesus was always looking for extraordinary, even in the middle of ordinary. Even in the middle of sitting down at a well. He's tired from journeying all day long, sends his disciples into town, and an ordinary Samaritan woman. Now, the ordinary tradition was Jewish men don't speak with women and Samaritans. So this is double jeopardy. (laughs) And he turned an ordinary situation into an extraordinary response. Prophesies to the lady, sets her free. She goes into town, brings all the town, and he starts doing miracles and setting her free. Ordinary. Ordinary. Could you have a word from God for somebody at your job and take an ordinary assignment and make it extraordinary? We've got to think outside the box. We have to think extraordinary. There's too much greatness on the inside of us to continue to allow and rest in complacency. There's too much greatness in there. He's given us too much of an ability, too much abilities and gifts and talents. He's given us too much power on the inside. And Jesus paid too high of a price for you to rest in the mundane. pay too high of a price for us to allow familiarity to set in. Oh, that's just my coworker. They don't even like me. They don't even want me here. They talk about me behind their back. There's, there's too much in you to allow the ordinary to settle in. It's time we become extraordinary through him. Amen? Father, we're so thankful. You sent your son, Jesus, to this earth. You sent your son, Jesus, to die for us, to become sin for us, to become ordinary for us, so that we could become extraordinary for you once again. We will reign in life. 
We will dominate in life. We will control. Because your son has given us that dominion back once again. Father, we're so thankful for your son. We're so thankful for Jesus. The life that he came and lived. But Father, we're even more thankful for the life that he came to give. That new life. We are a new creation. We don't identify with ordinary any longer. We don't identify with the same old, same old any longer. We don't identify with the mundane, ordinary, restless routine. But we break out of that and we grab a hold of the extraordinary that you have for our lives. No more limitations. No more insecurities. No more setbacks. No more uh, 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 people discounting us and telling us we can't do it. No more listening to the voices around us. But we want to get in with your voice, your word. Your word tells us who we are. We are now the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Father, we love you and we thank you for all that you have done for us. All that you have created us to do and created us to be. And I thank you that from this point on, we choose to live extraordinary for the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen.